can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Jesus, who is the reason we're celebrating the season. And so I pray, Lord, that everyone who made their way here today will be ministered to in such a way, God, they will leave better than when they came. And those who are watching, Lord, we thank you that your spirit has no distance. And we pray that everything that is said and done will be felt, heard, and received even by them. And I thank you today for using your word to transform our lives. And I declare that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as we hear the word, receive the word, believe the word, and exercise the word in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we're in a series entitled Tense the Season. Everybody say Tense the Season. And one of the reasons I felt it was necessary to discuss what I'm going to call the tenses of the season is because this season, the holiday season, is one of the most difficult Seasons people can live in in the year. In, in, in other words, some of the highest levels of tension and stress and difficulty, stress, anxiety, and depression actually comes during the holiday seasons, especially Christmas. And so the last message I did, we talked about stress and we talked about how to overcome stress. And so today, if you're taking notes and if you need a copy of the notes, raise your hand and our ushers will give you a copy of those. If you're watching us, all you have to do is find the link on the screen and you'll be able to get the notes as well. But our title today is Tense the Season to be Depressed. You say, well, Pastor Evan, do you have a positive message more the better than that? Well, I'm positive some of you are depressed. So I, I came up with a subtitle. Here's my subtitle. Managing and overcoming grief and depression. Managing and overcoming grief and depression. And I believe today's message is very timely because the last message that I did on stress I asked those of you who were dealing with lots of stress to stand up for me to pray for you. And do you know that 75 to 80 percent of both services stood up for prayer? Do you know that during the holiday times, not only is it stressful, but lots of people have lost loved ones. Lots of people have gone through divorces. Lots of people who have, have uh, are going through difficulty during the holiday period. It's not necessarily a joyful time. So today I want to talk about some things because, you know, even uh, though we're living in a post-pandemic uh, setting, the first year of the pandemic 
It caused great distress because in 2020 alone, the mental health hotline went up by, listen, 900%. The CDC, they said one out of every four uh, people that thir- that were 30 and under, one out of four, wanted to commit suicide. Did you know in 2020 that the divorce filings went up an additional 20%? And listen to this one. Antidepressant medications went up by 300%. And you know, the sad thing is, I don't think we've done enough to talk about it, to deal with it, and to overcome it. Say amen to that. So what I'm going to be doing today, I'm going to be referencing several stories in the Bible as well as uh, walking us through scriptures so we can biblically get an understanding on how to defeat uh, grief and overcome, uh, in a biblical way, depression. And so our main story is actually going to come out of one of the prophets in the Old Testament named Elijah. Elijah was a man who actually experienced depression. Now, what I'm going to do next week, too, is highlight some other individuals who walk through depression. But I'm going to show you keys next week on how to not only, uh, because to me, prevention is better than cure. I'm going to show you how to prevent yourself from getting depressed or falling into grief uh, on next week. And so uh, before we dive into the scriptures, let me give you a definition of what depression is and what grief is. Depression, and this is on your notes. Uh, uh, it's, it's not found in the Bible. Okay, you won't find the word depression in the Bible. But what you will find are synonyms. In other words, those are the words that also mean the same thing as depression in the Bible. And the, they're words like brokenhearted. Uh, words like cast down. Words like sorrow. Those are words that mean the same thing. Now, when you look up depression, it means a mental health condition. Everybody say, it's a condition. It's a mental health condition that is expressed, listen to this, by having persistent, say persistent, persistent feelings of sadness, persistent feelings of hopelessness, and consistent feelings of lack of interest. And when a person is affected in those ways, it causes a person's ability to function in various areas of life to decrease. Now, Unfortunately, I believe our society, for the most part, has looked down on people who have mental health struggles. Say amen to that. Yeah, I I believe this attitude is what keeps a lot of people from actually getting help or reaching out to other people for help. I mean, think about it. As you can see, I'm wearing glasses. And I'm wearing glasses. And most of you, if not all of you, are not judging me or criticizing me because I have on glasses. Well, I'm using them because there's a certain part of my body that is not functioning at its full capacity. And so I'm using the assistance of eyeglasses to maximize me being able to see. Well, just like we don't judge people for wearing glasses for the most part, why are we judging people who need mental health? Assistance. So I believe, uh, you know, in some cases, don't get me wrong, I do believe sometimes you need Jesus, medication, and therapy. Years ago, I was, I was counseling a couple. They were in my office, and uh, as I listened to both of them, as I listened to the struggles that they were having, I realized that the, the wife was struggling with some mental health issues, and so I asked them, were they on medication? They said, no. I said, what I want you to do is go to the doctor. I want you to get a full blood workout, workup. 
Let them do everything. Check everything. Find out where your levels are. And as I, if I, I said, if they come back and tell you you're imbalanced chemically, I need you to tell, do what they tell you. Well, they did what I said and started taking medication and they posted it on Facebook. It's public that said it changed their life. So sometimes you need some medication. Look at your neighbor and say, do you need some medicine? <laughs> some people saying, yeah, I'm on it right now. <laughs> okay, let me define grief real quick. Okay, grief. Grief is different from depression. Grief is an emotional response to loss. And that loss is typically with the death of a loved one. But grief also can be triggered by other things in life. Uh, I know a couple who had went through divorce. They had children. And uh, time went by and one of the children was with the dad and woke up or was on their way to bed, came to their dad and was crying profusely. The dad couldn't understand what was going on. And finally, when they calmed the kid down, they asked him what was wrong. And the kid was saying, I'm, I'm going to miss us going on vacation together and miss us going out together and that type of thing. And so the next day, the dad called the counselor and the counselor explained to the dad that that child was grieving. See, you don't have, somebody doesn't have to die for you to grieve. And there are some of you who are grieving some things. And grieving is unique. And, and people express it in a different way. And they cope with it with different ways. So don't make somebody try to grieve like you grieve. Amen. Now in the Bible, uh, the word grief means sorrow. Watch this. That comes from mental or physical pain. So let's jump into uh, the word today so we can see. You've probably never seen what I'm going to show you today. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't read it as if they're real people. But these were real people. And so let me summarize uh, the, the context before we jump into it so you'll get it. Elijah had just had a great victory and he had challenged the prophets of Baal to prove to them that their God was not real and that the living God was, was the, the, was the real deal. And so he said, Hey, you know what? Meet me up here in Carmel. And, uh, what we gonna do is we gonna do a standoff. And so what they did, he had them to gather some wood and they set up an altar. They put a, and then they, 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 he told the false prophets, Hey, listen, call on your God, Baal, and tell him, ask him to light up the fire and light up the wood and light up the, that bull without y'all setting it on fire. And when you go and read it, it took them, they did it all day and it never happened. They start cutting themselves and it never happened. And if you know someone who's cutting on themselves, that's a demonic thing. So anyway, we pick up the story now. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation in 1 Kings chapter 18. So this is what happened afterward. So then Elijah, he called the people. He says, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. And so he took 12 stones, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. And then he dug a trench around this large altar. And the trench was large enough to hold about three gallons of water. 
He piled up the wood on the altar. Then he cut up this bull in pieces and then he laid the pieces on the wood. And then he said, fill up four large jars with water. And they poured water on the offering and on the wood. So think about this now. They were getting ready to sacrifice something. He dug a trench. He put wood in it. He put the sacrifice on the wood. And then he told them, pour some water on it. And then the Bible says in verse 34, after they had done this, he said, do it again. Everybody say, do it again. Do it again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did it again. And then verse 35 says this, the water ran around the altar and filled the trench. And at the usual time for offering for the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, listen, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done this at your command. Oh, Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, oh, Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And then the Bible says in verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull. It burned up the wood. It even burned up the stones. That's a hot fire to burn some rocks up. The Bible even says it licked up all the water in the trench and all the people saw it and they fell on their face and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. I think I'd have done that too, right? And then it says in verse 40, then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. And so the people seized them all and Elijah took them down to Kishon Valley and killed them there. We're talking about about 450 false prophets. Elijah killed over 400 prophets. So here it is. He experienced a great victory. And let me just put a plug in for next week. That's one of the triggers. Everybody say triggers. That's one of the triggers to depression. It's a great victory. It's something big that's happened in your life. In fact, it happens in the natural. This is why when women have a baby, their energy is so high. They're they're excited about this baby. And sometimes they go through what we call postpartum. That's a form of depression. So he just experienced this great victory. So now what I'm about to do before we continue reading the story is I'm going to give you some signs that you may be grieving or battling depression. And the reason I'm listing this is because we're going to see a lot of these signs that I'm going to list. We're going to see them in the life of Elijah. So here's the first sign that you're either grieving or Falling into depression. The first one is a desire to get away. Calgon, take me away. Y'all remember that commercial? How many remember that commercial? Let me see. You old, that's why you remember that commercial. <laughs> this is when you start removing yourself, listen, from people who always and have been consistent in loving you, caring for you, and concern for you, and you start moving yourself away from them. Here's number two. When you want to always be alone. You say, well, Pastor, sometimes I just need some me time. That's fine. But see, you can't get this consistent me time. Genesis 2 even told us one of the first things that God said. He said that wasn't good was it's not good for man to be alone. So if you want to consistently be alone, that's a sign. Here's number three. 
when you want to numb yourselves by indulging. There's several ways to indulge. You can indulge in drugs. You can indulge in Jack and Daniel. You can indulge in shopping. You can indulge in food, which is one of, uh, that's one of them too. Let me go to the next one. Uh, here's another sign. When you have thoughts and desires to die. Here's number five. When you actually try to kill yourself. Here's number six. When you have consistent feelings of being overwhelmed. This is when it seems like you can't catch your breath. This happens and then this happens and this happens and this happens. And before you know it, you feel overwhelmed. I'm talking about consistent feelings of being overwhelmed because sometimes we experience, you know, just small seasons of of being overwhelmed. But I'm talking about consistent feelings of being overwhelmed. Here's number seven. When you stop eating. Amen. That happened when I was going through a divorce. I started losing weight. How many saw me lose a little weight? I I lost. Yeah, I I, I didn't want to eat. I mean, I was eating, but I didn't eat as much. Stop eating. Here's another one. This was bad right here. Consistent negative self-talk. See, that's the talk that can't nobody hear but you. Now, here's the bad thing about consistent negative talk. It's not good for you. You you know, uh, they, 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 they did a study with cows, and cows eat cud. So what they do is they eat grass or hay or whatever they feed them and they eat it and they chew it and they chew it. And then after they chew it for a while, they swallow it and then they regurgitate it back up again. They throw it up basically and then they start eating it again and they chew it and they chew it and they chew it and then they swallow it and then they throw it back up again and they chew it some more and chew it some more and then finally they swallow it again. Well, let me tell you something. Every time they threw it up and swallowed it, it didn't get better. And every time you think bad thoughts, it don't get better. Your thoughts don't get better. And that's what happens. People's mental uh, conditions and mental health goes down because you are regurgitating negative thoughts. Here's another one. Consistent sadness. Here's the last one. When you're crying a lot. Now, I'm not talking about you crying because you got the joy of the Lord. I'm, I, no, no. You, you're crying a lot. So we're going to pick up the story and see what happens because this is where Elijah the prophet experienced depression. So now we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 in the New Living Translation. Uh, and before we read it, uh, it's going to mention a guy named Ahab. Ahab was the husband of Jezebel. He was at this contest. So it says here, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Elijah sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just like you killed them. She sent him a message on Facebook. She inboxed him. No, that's that's what we do. We we get upset with folks that post stuff. Well, she sent him a message. And she says, you know what? I'm going to kill you. And may the God strike me and kill me if you're not dead by this time tomorrow. Everybody say, that's negative news. And negative news, listen, listen, listen. Negative news is one of the triggers to depression. 
Negative news is one of the triggers to grief. You hear something bad. And so now he gets this negative news. It's a trigger. Well, let's see how he handled it. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He was afraid of a message from a woman. When this man has just killed 450 men. Houston, we have a problem. So let's see what he did. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. That's one of the signs that I gave you earlier. When you start walking away from people and things who love you. He walked away. And then verse 4 says, and he went alone. There it is, go. There it is. He's alone. What did he do? He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed. Well, thank God he did something spiritual. Let's see what his prayer was. He prayed that he might die. Not good. Does he sound depressed? Yes, there's another sign. He wanted to die. Watch this one. He says, I have had enough, God. That sounds like thoughts of being overwhelmed. He says, Lord, he says, take my life. Look, I ain't got enough courage to kill myself. God, you killed me. That's what he's saying here. He said, take my life. Now, here's one that's interesting. He says, for I am no better than my ancestors. Here's another trigger when we compare ourselves to other people. Amen. Because when you compare yourself to somebody, it has now become a competition. And if it becomes a competition, church, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. That's why social media is dangerous. You're seeing them and the, they post a new car and it's your coworker. And you know they're struggling. You're like, oh, how did they get that new car? And see, the spirit of jealousy might want to hit you. What you don't realize is his mama had to co-sign that car for him. Amen. Verse 5. So then he did one of the another, another signs. He laid down and what? And he slept. You say, well, pastor, sleeping ain't bad. Well, let's see how long he slept. He slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He had to be asleep a long time. Angel ain't going to just wake you up. He had to be asleep a long time for the angel to say, hey, listen, get up and eat. He stopped eating. That's a sign. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot coals and a jar of water. There it is. Angel food cake right there in the Bible. Right there in the Bible. (laughs) So he ate and drank and laid down. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. He will sleep again for the journey is ahead of you. It's too much. So he got up and he ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and nights to Mount Sinai to the mountain of God. There he came to a cave. And see, a cave is dangerous because typically... You know how to get in, but you don't know how to get out. And that's the thing with depression. Sometimes depression can hit you and you don't even know how you got in it. So watch this now. He goes to the cave and he spends the night. And the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So let me give you a hint. If the Lord asks you a question, he's not asking you because he don't know the answer. So if he's asking you a question... 
Don't try to answer it. Just ask him, Lord, why am I here? Well, let's see what Elijah did. Elijah replied, I have zealously, I'm going to do it like I'm in a play. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty and the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. He's comparing. Torn down your altars and killed all your prophets and I'm the only one. And they trying to kill me too, God. God told him, go out and stand before the mountains. And the Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. Who passed by? The Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the what? He wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was what? An earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was some what? There was some fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. There it is right there. Earth, wind, and fire. They got that from the Bible. From the Bible. From the Bible. Did you see? Did you hear that? Somebody in earth went in five groups. Somebody saved. They read that. So when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face with his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The second question. He replied again. Here we go. Negative self-talk. I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down their altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. Same story. Because when you are depressed, and I'm talking to some people in the room today, let me smile and say it. That's why you can't stop talking about what you're talking about because you're depressed. That's the only reason you repeat negative news. Say amen, church. That was one of the signs of grief and depression is when we consistently repeat negative thoughts. Then the Lord said to him, watch this now. Here's one of the cures. I'm going to talk about it in detail next week. He says, go back the same way you came. He said, he's sending Elijah back the same way. Why? Because he wants him to revisit All of the victories that he had brought him through. He wanted him to see, oh, that's the place where you defeated 450 prophets. And then watch what else he said. Go back the same way. But then he says, when you, he says, now I want you to travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you get there, I want you uh, to anoint uh, uh, Hezebel to be king of Aram. Notice he's giving him hope because hope is built when you have something in the future that you need to do. So he's giving him, watch this now, vision for his future. And that's the only reason people stay depressed, because they don't have a vision for the future. He says, I want you to go and anoint this man so he can be king of Aaron. And then he says, I want you to anoint Jehu, who's the son of Nishi. And I I want you to anoint him to be king of Israel. And then I want you to anoint Elijah, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, to replace you as my... Look, he said, listen, I'm going to give you some things to do. And then it says, and anyone who escaped Hazel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escaped Jehu will be killed by Elisha. And then he says something. He says, I have preserved 7,000 other people in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal. Church, let me tell you something. Depression is real. And if you don't address it, you will stay in depression. 
Grieving. Listen, let me say this. Long-term grief can potentially turn into depression. God did not design us to live constantly in grief and constantly in depression. So here's the question as we close. How do we start the journey to overcoming grief and depression? How do we start? Well, here's number one. You can't defeat what you refuse to face. Everybody say, you can't defeat what you refuse to face. See, we think saying it, facing it, it's what makes us weak. But no, listen, the only way to get rid of sin is to confess sin. Okay, so the power of sin can be released just by me confessing. So us acknowledging and saying, you know what, this is where I am. This is what I'm facing. And let me just say it like this. Ignoring, ignoring cancer don't make it go away. Ignoring a toothache don't make it go go away. Well, ignoring depression or grief won't make it go away, church. So the first thing you have to do is realize you can't defeat what you refuse to face. Here's number two. Are you ready and willing to let go of the grief and let go of the pain? Watch this. So Jesus can heal you. Or would you rather keep it as a reminder of why you're hurting? You know, some people are comfortable grieving. They're comfortable with depression. Listen to the New Living Translation of John chapter 5. Because you would think if somebody is hurting, if somebody's in pain, if somebody physically needs healing, you would think that they would want to be healed. That's not the case. Some people right now are on disability and they're not disabled. They just don't want to work no more. John chapter 5, verse 1. Listen, we're closing with this. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays, holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. And it was crowds of sick people who were blind and lame and paralyzed who laid on the porches. And one of the men that was laying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, He knew he had been sick or ill for a long time. And then Jesus asked him a question, which I am asking you today. Would you like to get well? Listen, church, not grieving because I'm talking to some people. Listen to me. Mama passed away. Daddy passed away. Grandma passed away. Maybe a spouse passed away. Maybe one of the most difficult things to do is as a parent, one of your children passed away. Well, listen, not grieving doesn't mean you forget about the person you're missing. Not grieving, listen, is letting Jesus take the grief so that the memories of who you are missing brings you pleasure and not pain. Isaiah chapter 53 says, surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. Verse 5 says this, but he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him. Our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Listen to the Amplified. It says, surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, our weaknesses, and our distresses. And he's carried our sorrows and our pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken and smitten and afflicted. 
afflicted by God as if it was with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So here's the question again. Are you ready to be whole? It's not until you're ready to let go and give it to Jesus that he can do something with it. And there's some people in the room and there's some people watching me right now. And you're in the middle of depression. Here's the bad thing. Your friends know it. Your colleagues know it. Your mama know it. But you've, for some reason, have not acknowledged it. Today's the day. Because Jesus can't fix what you don't know you got a problem with. There's some people grieving. You say, well, Pastor, it's not wrong to grieve. No, it's not wrong to grieve, but it's wrong to grieve too long to the point where it's pulling you down. So with every head bowed, Before I pray, let me tell you what I believe. I believe that Jesus is here. And he wants to heal you today. But here's the thing. He needs your permission. So what I want you to do, what I want you to do, is pray right there in your seat yourself. Remember, the first step is to acknowledge and, and, and talk to Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I'm feeling this way. And I've been feeling this way for a long time. I really didn't know what to do with it. But what happened has been bothering me to the point where it's sinking me down. It's pulling me down. It's, it, it's, it, it's, it's keeping energy from me. And I need your help. Those of you who are grieving, the question I have for you is, do you want to be made whole? Or do you want to continue to grieve, which really causes your remembrance of the person to create pain instead of pleasure? Why are you grieving? You had so many great years with whoever it was. Why are you grieving? You say, well, Pastor Evan, I miss them physically. I understand that. But you're going to have to develop a biblical perspective because the Bible tells us there is appointed unto man once to die. We're all going to die one day unless Jesus comes first. And because we know that, the Bible tells us we shouldn't grieve Like unbelievers grieve. Why? Because we know there's a greater day ahead. So even though you may miss them physically, why don't you use the imagination and the memory that God gave you to create pleasure instead of pain by remembering all the great times you had together? Here's my question again. Are you ready to let it go? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, I love you.
I thank you for being in the room right now. I thank you for going down every row and touching every heart and touching every soul. And those who are ready for deliverance, I thank you for moving in their life right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for doing what only you can. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because you are, you heal back then. That means you're still a healer now. And so I thank you for producing healing. Hallelujah. Even in places, God, they didn't even know they were they were in pain. It's like they, I'm talking to somebody, you have layers of pain because you've never resolved some, some, some losses and you've never resolved some issues and you've never resolved some pains and they piled up on you. But I hear the word of the Lord saying, but I am the God that healed you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Spirit, do what, do what I can't do. I've done my part. I've, I've, I've preached the word. And your word says that signs, miracles, and, and, uh, and wonders will follow the word. And so, Lord, I thank you today for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word that has been preached and taught in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen. With every head still bowed, here's my question. Really quick, if you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven?